Brewbloods episode 53, and we're headed to the Northeast United States with our first beer from Maine, the D.L. Geary's Hampshire Special Ale. And we talk about how a whale could be vomiting into your craft beer soon. So settle up, beer buddies. This is Brewbloods. Drink beer. Think beer. You're listening to Brewbloods. Beer does not make itself properly by itself. It takes an element of mystery and of things that no one can understand. That from Fritz Maytag, the, I guess he kind of took over Anchor Brewing Company back in the day and kind of restarted the craft beer movement. Restarted it? Restarted it. Well, it kind of had been on the decline, obviously, with, yeah, the, true. with the prohibition, the merger, the constant merger and acquisitions of uh, many companies, and he took over Anchor Brewing and kind of uh, kicked it in the butt. And here we, this is where we find ourselves today. But uh, with being inundated with craft beer, I think Fritz Maytag, I think science is advanced enough now that we understand the other things but, than just ingredients. And that sounds like such a old school, like, I don't know, 30s sounding name or something. Fritz Maytag, yeah? It's Fritz Maytag. <laughs> My beer's the bee's knee, see? You made up a pretty good uh, name this week. It's the top of the pops. That, that was a good one, Mark. The cat's pajama, see? <laughs> see? See, see? It's one of your better fake quotes. I know, I'm... I'm, I really should just uh, write an entire book of fake quotes just about beer. I'm sure it'll sell great. <laughs> I'm but sure it'll do great. Speaking uh, to the uh, kind of acquisition world, we uh, let's go. Let's tap in briefly. That's very generic. To brews in the news here, uh, we are facing another world. We're kind of going back to that acquisition structure because this story comes to us from uh, Nikki Bay. He, she uh, first alerted us to this this week. Spelled B A E at the end. <laughs> B A E with Bye. with like five Y's. Yep. Nikki Bay. Anyways, uh, the U.S. Department of Justice is currently reviewing the potential merger between Anheuser-Busch and SAB Miller, and then, which would give them, as one company, 30% of the world's beer supply and $48 billion in profits. Yeah, but who wants that percent? I agree, but they do serve, again, 30% of the world's supply, yeah, and, and then to avoid the supposed monopolistic concerns, potentially, they are selling... Uh, many of the properties off to Molson Coors, who is buying kind of the dregs. Right. So they, uh, so this deal would create one company that would own Budweiser, Bud Light, Stella, Corona, Castle, Modelo, uh, Brahma, Skull, Harbin, and Pilsner Urkel, as well as many other uh, craft breweries that they've I'm, been buying. I'm not sure up. I've ever even heard of P- Pilsner Urkel. I think it's, is that like based on Family Matters? Yes, it's it's they have their uh, their leading Pilsner is <laughs> called Did I Do That. <laughs> That would actually be kind of cool. And then they have the Carl Winslow and the, the uh, what's her name, uh, Henrietta? Was that the mom? I don't know. Hilma, I think it was. Yeah, it was Hilma. Exactly. <laughs> uh, they are also selling off um, their stakes in Snow, the, the Chinese brand of beer. They're selling off Miller to Molson Coors. SCB Miller, Miller is selling Miller to, yeah. to Molson Coors. I knew they had to do that so, just because yeah, how big Miller is. $48 billion in revenue would all be controlled by one company. And I think we're seeing exactly what we saw after Prohibition, up through the 70s and 80s, and now it's starting to happen again. And so one company will control that many with, properties. With the large consolidation of everything. And keep in mind, they control a lot of distribution on top of that. That is true. Which means they could squeeze out the little guys, potentially. Yeah, but you'll get plenty of Goose Island IPA this way. Well, yeah, you'll get that. And you'll get plenty of uh, vomit eye. I don't know if that's good or bad. But yeah, you'll get plenty of uh, blood vomit eye. Uh, sure. When you get uh, many, many tainted Goose Island uh, 
coffee stouts or regal rise or, i was gonna say i don't know if everything they do is tainted <laughs> they're just gonna never have blood eye from the goose island ipa but. they're gonna they're gonna purposely taint all of their uh, beers from now on just to see just have a vomit roulette yeah exactly you may or may not get sick every time exactly so do you think the uh, department of justice is gonna approve this uh, merger uh, depending on how many assets, they'll probably make them sell off maybe even a little bit more than they already did, but I think ultimately they'll probably approve it. And what do you think this means for the state of uh, craft beer, for the independent guys? Uh, you know, I don't... I think it's it might be harder to get like national distribution, perhaps, on mm-hmm. some of these things, but I still think... I don't know, like your big locals will still probably do fine. I, I don't... And you still have your distributors like Andrews and stuff around here, and uh, I don't know if they're national or not, but I know at least around here they're big with the craft beer place or uh, brewers, and I'm sure that every every area has that. Yeah, um, it so, is concerning though. Yeah, I mean it can be concerning as long as that doesn't ultimately become a problem. The distribution part of it, I guess, ultimately I don't care as much. But um, yeah, I do have a concern about that. I don't want people getting squeezed out, and then you know they come and say, "Well, hell, we own 35% of everything or however whatever it ends up being." So we want all the premium uh, shelf space and you guys get nothing. I mean, if that starts happening, that's going to be a problem. That's already a fight they have that's kind of slanted their way anyway. And we we've talked about, you know, it's been concerning anyways the number of craft brewers they've been snapping up, true, left and right, and we've always said, you know, well, as long as they continue to be creative and continue to produce quality beer and put you know, let it remain an art rather than just a product. Right. I think we've been okay with it so far, but when it comes to when it's this, uh, I don't know. These are the mega guys merging though. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, but what I think we've said is as long as it remains an art, that's one thing, but it does start to get concerning when it's this big Yeah, and when it's, they have, they wield this much power and they could very subtly, kind of cut some small guys off at the knees that's what i'm saying if, if that becomes a problem then yeah that's not good especially when if they we, start doing that when we live in a state where we have kind of a screwed up you know i know the three-tiered distribution model was put in place for a reason right but that could also they could subtly control that and it's getting it's getting better i think if anything here yeah. but it's still yeah there's still a lot of problems and i'm sure we're not obviously the only state having those problems i feel like we need another distribution company that all they're in charge of are the independent brands. They yeah. don't distribute anything else from anybody else. Their entire portfolio is collecting the the small fries and getting them into into markets. Well, I wonder if people like I mean, like Andrews, I don't know if they only do craft beer, maybe they do. I don't think I think Andrews does some megas. I do they? Think, okay. I, don't, I don't I can't say that and and I'm not going to do any research. I absolutely refuse. We are not the podcast of research. <laughs> We're professors of stuff and things. We just not like to, research. We just like to throw things out there. Yeah. But I think they do have some big guys. They're probably they're they're definitely smaller than uh, uh, Benny Keith and uh, yeah. What's the other one? Uh, fart pants. But yeah, fart uh, pants is huge. Yeah, they are huge. Yeah. But uh, maybe we need a pants fart to start up and just control the small guys. Take the small guys who don't want to get tied in with your Benny Keiths and uh, fart pants. Oh, you're right. I'm looking at Andrew's cover site, it's a guy holding a big uh, 12 pack of course. So All right. they, well, they, they do, go. They do yeah. have some. They do have some uh, <laughs> some bigger guys. So right. It would be nice to see some distributorship that just focuses on the small guys. I realize they probably need the clout of the bigger guys. Right to, to get some leverage, but at the same time, if you think about it, if they get some of the bigger independent brewers, it's like let's just—I mean, because we're more familiar with Texas brands. If you got your Deep Ellums, your Lakewoods, your um, Pedicolses together to form to to get together and 
that could really, I think, I think those brands, at least here in Dallas uh, and in Texas, have enough clout. St. Arnold, for instance. Sure. Uh, maybe you find a way to get Shiner on that bandwagon. They've got enough clout to where they could land some major accounts. Oh, yeah. If you could get Shiner on there, that would be, be great. But I think Shiner is part of that, their own big distribution company. Oh, really? Or at least their own conglomerate that does their own kind of distribution. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe they'd be willing to help out, but. I don't know. It seems It'd be interesting. It, it it would be nice to see something happen to change things and uh, and, and potentially limit the threat of this merger. Now, I, I did think you'd find this interesting. I was just kind of curious who Andrews did have because I decided to do a little research. And I think it's funny under their specialty beers they list uh, Rolling Rock, Third Shift, Batch Nineteen, and uh, Blue Moon. Real special. Yeah, I mean they do have the crafts, obviously, like Lakewood and uh, Southern Tier and Rar and right. uh, New Belgium, I guess, which is technically still. So they do have a lot. I'm, I'm imagining, um, and again, I haven't fully researched it. I'm imagining Andrews is pretty pretty nationwide. Yeah, if they have all those all those carriers, but um, yeah, I agree. Like maybe they can have a craft beer alliance. Distribute, uh, distributor yeah. or something. Although although they are also invested by uh, right. AD and Bev, they, sucks. That's true. And then on top of that, um, but we know how the distribution rights go. Once you yeah. sell it, then you can't really get out of it lifetime. So yeah, which is terrible. That's something which else is that needs weird. To change. That's a weird, weird deal. I've never heard of anything like that. Yeah, it would be, that's a that's the thing is I feel like we need uh, we need some sort of legal fund uh, out there that will stand up for the craft brewer to where they can challenge these things. Mark, you picked Time Warner Cable as your internet provider. That is a permanent thing, no matter what they do. Yeah, exactly. I'm not that, allowed. That's, to, yeah, it's the that's same just thing. a weird thing. It doesn't make yeah, any sense. You're not allowed to change. They can they can screw with you however they want. Yep, exactly. Which is just ridiculous. But yeah, I think we need we need a national group that will stand up for the 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 independent craft brewer. They can go to this go to the states uh, congresses and and fight these little battles and try to get things changed. Like we've gotten the uh, brew pub laws changed and uh, true, you know. That's where uh, people like the Pedicolis uh, folks, they would come in handy, you know, yeah. get that legal background and the beer interest and right. get those going, so which, he, which he has done some, he has made some inroads there. And yeah, he's led a lot of that fight. Yeah, definitely. And then there's the guys like the down at Cuvée who are fighting the Crowler battle here in Texas. True. Although in, in another piece of brews in the news, uh, Oscar Blues announced this week that they've come out with a second Crowler. Which will is apparently is legal in Texas because it is a resealable crawler. Ah. So it's basically just an aluminum growler. It's okay. a it's a it's a aluminum growler with a screw top lid, and apparently that is totally kosher mm-hmm. with the TABC. That's weird. And so we will be seeing uh, Crowler Junior in Texas, but if, we can't get we can't get the crawler where it's sealed once, yeah. like a like a soft drink can, right? Which is just ridiculous. Yeah, when I look at the TABC, to me, I just picture like stormtroopers or something coming in and just regulating and taking everybody down. It's like dealing with the friggin' I don't know. It's like dealing with the Empire every time you got to deal with the you TABC. You know, I always picture them kind of looking like Milton from Office Space, <laughs> except they 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 always got bullied in high school, and so now they're taking taking yeah. it out on the little guy. Yeah, or maybe maybe they're more like the health inspector from Bob's Burgers or something. Yes, yes, that's that's a good one. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but I just think of them as the evil the evilness oh, yeah. of the the evil empire. But at the same time, maybe they look more like those guys. And I realize down at the stormtrooper level, at the TABC stormtrooper level, they're just enforcing the laws. Sure, yeah. You know, they're not the one carrying out Vader's orders. But I right. I, I, I do agree. I feel like there's given the the attorney general we have in the state and well, our governor. Well, they are led by the evil, the, the emperor himself, Greg Abbott. So yes, exactly. What do you want? And Ken Paxton. <laughs> uh, I feel like, yes, we got the emperor and the... Uh, but again, Ken Paxton's just doing what the, imp- the emperor wants him to do. I know. Paxton's but, like the Vader who has to just follow he, orders. He's, he, but he's still got an element. <laughs> he's still got that evil streak of Anakin he does, in him. That's true. He, and, uh, you know, they should both need to be cut down with a, with a beer-shaped <laughs> lightsaber. 
Yeah, we need a we need we need our Luke Skywalker. Where's our Luke Skywalker? <laughs> and help us, Obi Wan Birnobi. Exactly. Your only hope. Exactly. So we like to talk a lot about vomit on the show, and uh, mostly because Dustin has constant vomit eye, but. Vomit and how how that can be used in different ways regarding beer. Well, would you like to either see it's, it? Either it's created by beer or it can be used to brew beer. Right. And I think maybe our next uh, little uh, dryland brewing project might be we're going to have you get some blood eye and vomit. Uh-huh. We're gonna f- and then we're going to put that in the mash tun and see how it turns out. Brew blood's vomit beer? <laughs> That's right. Brew blood's vomit. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to call it blood eye. Yeah. So there's a uh, from the, the country that brought us belly button beer uh, brings us another stunt beer. I guess I guess Australia is they have uh, spiders that will uh, will poison your dick and bite it off, hmm. and now they're giving us uh, not only belly button beer, they are giving us beer made from whale vomit. That There's a substance that is called I'm going to guess it's pronounced ambergris, which is also known as whale vomit. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's a solid waxy material which uh, scientists who explained uh, our friend Nessie. Uh, and blew her out of the water. Uh, they believe that it's formed in the intestines of sperm whales. Which, to go back to Bob's Burgers, there was an episode where they found whale vomit and were trying to sell it. So. Oh, well, then there you go. There you it's, go. It's all Every, connected. Everything goes back to Bob's it's Burgers. It's the circle of life. <laughs> the circle of life. Yeah. Uh, and it was ambergris they had, so yes. Okay, well, then there yep. you go. It's, it's believed it's formed in the intestines of sperm whales, and it's, they believe it aids in their digestion. But when the animal dies, they just vomit it as they're... And then they just blah, they shoot they just fire a volcano of ambergris into the ocean. A volcano? A volcano. <laughs> it's kind of like a rainbow of a volcano. Exactly. It's I'm sure there's a lot of color in it. Yeah. Uh, and then but it only they only vomit it up when they die. So it's kind of sad. It's only available and it seldom washes up on shore and it's extremely expensive to acquire. So well, it's better than the uh, pants mess that you're going to make when you die, right? Well, yeah. Not just me. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but it's pretty common when a human dies that they expel their bowels. Especially you, though. Yeah. So I fully expect that when you die in your bed, you're just going to expel diarrhea all over your waterbed <laughs> that you acquired in 1975. Right. That um, I've kept, that's actually full of diarrhea. <laughs> exactly. So it'll all just blend. <laughs> no wonder your wife has her own bedroom. <laughs> that's true. Uh, this stuff is so expensive that back in 2012, a one-pound piece sold for $63,000. Wow, that's a nice piece. That is a nice piece. <laughs> and back in the medieval times, uh, supposedly this was used for uh, medicinal purposes. It's a generic time frame. But yeah, yes. during the Black Plague days, <laughs> back when they believed that uh, vomit could cure all your ails. Right. So today, perfumers use it to enhance scents and give them staying power, and they believe that it... Some people believe that it has an aphrodisiac quality, so next time your lady's, you know, not feeling it, maybe yeah. just go kill a sperm whale. Get some whale vomit. Just get them to vomit your face, and yeah. just go make out with your lady as, as the ambergris is just washing down your face, and just make <laughs> out, she will be ready to go. Oh, of course, yeah. Or conversely, if you're not feeling it, and she is, you can just, she can just vomit in your face. <laughs> I wonder, though, could, uh, could as we found out in, uh, well... Could human vomit? Is it an aphrodisiac? If we just vomit in each other's mouths, uh, possible. Would we be turned on? Uh, I mean, I mean, were it's we pretty much? On? It's pretty much any fluid, right? Yeah, <laughs> any bodily fluid. <laughs> when you shoot diarrhea, don't you turn on by that as well? <laughs> just instant. I mean, it doesn't matter that I have low tea. <laughs> right. Just immediately, the tea count, gets kicked up because the, the tea the tea explodes just like whale vomit. Right. So they a few years ago, this brewery uh, they found they were walking on the beach and they found a 400 gram lump of ambergris on a beach, and they decided that uh, they were going to turn that into beer. Yeah. So the I didn't mention it, but uh, it's called Moby Dick Ambergris Ale. It's from Robetown Brewery. 
and uh, Rogetown, okay. which 400 grams is just under a pound. So they found something that is probably worth around fifty thousand dollars, and, and they decided to make a bit beer out of it. Interesting. Yeah, they said it. Uh, as the quote from the brewer said, it was a relatively fresh piece, quite a smelly piece. Yeah, and it was airing and curing in our backyard before, before in the backyard before I got a hold of it. He decided to ex- uh, extract their own by s- soaking small sections in alcohol. The result was a quote musky tincture that mm. he then added to an amber ale during the bottling process. So they created this. The, the they, this beer appeared in the same festival as the uh, belly button beer in Melbourne mm. uh, earlier this month. Ah oh, man! And he said uh, the Cobra Christi Biazidis. I guess that's how you say his name or her name. Yeah. It tastes a little bit like the sea. It tastes a little bit like marine animals. It's really interesting. I think makes me want to go back to German purity standards. The more I hear these things, <laughs> bring back Reinhardt's Gebot. <laughs> exactly. Maybe they had it for a good reason. The fact that they're <laughs> we're using a whale vomit. I'm pretty sure this is why they instituted it originally. Is it, yeah, because people were throwing in uh, whale vomit and uh, yes. Uh, night poop and like I said, swap someone's a hole next. That's yeah. what's gonna happen. That's probably the next step. I mean, how much further can we go? Exactly. If we're already swapping vaginas and eating whale vomit and and belly buttons and beards. I, I mean, know one had Rocky Mountain oysters in it. Yeah, exactly. I, there's just I feel like again I'm gonna, I said it for the twentieth time. We're going too far. Yes, you, I would agree. To quote our mayor Mike Rawlings, "You've crossed the line." Yes, and it's, I'm a man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you've gone too far. You've gone too far. Uh, yeah. Stop it. Just stop. Go back and how about you make a quality yeah. standard issue ale and stop focusing on vomit. Yeah. Use things that people actually like to ingest. And we had the, we had the vagina beer that I don't think ever succeeded. Yeah. Uh, I didn't mention swabbing vaginas. Yeah, that's, swabbing that's, vaginas. That's what we're doing. We're going everywhere. <laughs> it's I mean, everywhere but the backside so far. So far. Well, we haven't swabbed the uh, male urinary tract either. That's true. That'll happen. Don't worry. That'll Somebody happen. Somebody making sperm beer. Yeah. Probably, yeah. A sperm size on. <laughs> A nice farmhouse. (laughs) (laughs) Wildly fermented, for sure. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, that's enough about vomit and beer. Yes. So today we are talking about a state I don't think we've had a beer from before. And so we're going to the Northeast. We haven't been out of the the South for a while. We're leaving the South in Texas, finally. We're going in a different area, and we're going with a different style. We're throwing off our seersucker suits. Yes. We're putting on some flannel shirts and some woolly socks. Exactly. We're talking about a beer from Maine. This is the uh, Geary's Hampshire Special Ale. It's an American Strong Ale. So, after this, we'll get to that beer. Occasionally, you'll hear a brewer talk about the gravity of beer. And no, it doesn't refer to Isaac Newton or the 2013 Sandra Bullock movie. Simply put, a low-gravity beer will have a lower ABV or alcohol content, and a high-gravity beer will have more alcohol. But more specifically, gravity is an indication of the relative density of wort to water during fermentation. The larger the difference, the more alcohol your beer has. When a beer is fermenting, yeast are busy converting sugar into alcohol and carbon dioxide. The decline in sugar and the increase in ethanol decrease the density of the wort. A brewer will take an original gravity reading at the beginning of fermentation, and they'll monitor the gravity over time. When the gravity stops declining, the brewer knows that the beer is ready, and they will take a final gravity reading, which is often abbreviated as FG. In Europe, the original gravity is also known as original extract, and when you hear someone speaking about the size of the beer, that's what they're referring to. You may also see it printed on the label as a percentage with the label Stammwerse. 
finally, you may also see the gravity printed as degrees Plato, which is a European scale that indicates how much sugar is available to the yeast to convert to alcohol at the start of fermentation. So, the higher the degrees Plato, the higher the alcohol content. So I feel like we uh, we haven't done a lot of beers in the Northeast. We from the Northeast. Hey, uh, we've done a lot of Southern beers, done a lot of Texas beers. Obviously, being in Texas, probably because we're in Texas. We've got we got a shipment of and we're uh, in the South. We got a shipment of Northeast beer from one of our listeners. I don't remember if it was Nikki Bay or somebody else. Can't remember. Might have been someone named Christine. I'm John Blank. Not a professor of names. I don't know. You're supposed to track all that. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Can't can't really tell. Nobody could ever know that. So we're doing a beer from Maine. I feel like Maine is one one of the Unappreciated it's, states in the union. It's also like the almost the furthest you can get from Texas. So that was another reason why I True. wanted to pick it. So we True. can go totally the other way and show yeah. we're not just totally biased for here. We're not. To, I mean, we are, but we're not. Right. And I don't. I, it's one of the more. I feel like it's one of the more unappreciated states in the union. I don't know a lot about Maine, to be honest with you. Don't they have lobster? Uh, that's pretty much the main thing I know. They make a there lot of. Go. They make a lot of blueberries there. Oh yeah. They okay. make a lot of lobster. They make blueberries. Like well, they, they they manufacture them. They grow and oh, okay. harvest them in Maine. I know there's a lot there. Well, you should like that because you could smush them like the Fruit of the Loom guys. That's true. We can turn. We can make our own uh, <laughs> Maine uh, Fruit of the Loom squish head. Yes. Uh, beer. But yeah, lobster and blueberries, and I believe they have some wonderful fall foliage there. Yeah, I'm sure they do. And the they leaves have, turn, and they people drive around on winding roads uh, full of blueberries. I think most of our main knowledge comes from what Stephen King novels, and yes, uh, Stephen King, the uh, yeah. the the hero of the state, I would imagine. Oh yeah, come on, name name another famous main person. Bob Maine. There you go. So <laughs> Stephen King is it for sure? Isn't uh, aren't all of his stories based in Maine? I believe so. Yeah, I, I think almost all case. of them, if not all of them, except from eleven twenty two sixty three, which is which starts Dallas. in Maine. Does it start in Maine? Yes. Of course. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, not a lot I know about the state. Yes, um, I know they have a pet cemetery. That, yes. <laughs> that animals come to life in. And then, yeah, kill you and drag you back. I know they have werewolves. You had to shoot with a silver bullet. And there was a fog there, I think? Yeah, there's definitely a fog there. There was also a place where people got things that were needful. So a lot of stuff happens there. Yeah, we, just yeah, don't, yeah. we don't celebrate the state. They have a lot much. of horror things happen yeah, there. It's basically a state you don't want to go to because you probably get killed. Yes, exactly. If, if Stephen King has taught us anything. And Stephen King was a victim. having Wasn't he hit by a van? <laughs> he was hit by a car. So, <laughs> what was the... Uh, what was the it was the his horror version of my mother the car. <laughs> yeah, pretty. Much. It was misery. Mi- uh, well, there was misery, and then there was the movie he did about the the car that was killing people, and I can't remember the name of it. Now. Oh, okay, I don't Anyways, remember that. It was a horror. Wasn't my mother of- the car like a sitcom from the seventies? <laughs> yes, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that wasn't it. 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 No, it was his version of my mother the car. <laughs> oh, except okay, it, it was my mother the car except to kill people. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. A lot of uh, big feral dogs there. Yes, named that's, Cujo. That's true. So, so yeah. basically, we we can say a lot of things that Stephen King did, and then say they're associated with Maine. Yeah, exactly. That's and, what we just did there. For so you. that's why the price of uh, Maine lobster is so high, is because you think about the horrors that all of our lobster farmers go through. <laughs> exactly. To get those lobsters and bring them to fight out of off Maine. huge dogs and slashers yeah. and fat guys getting skinny, they got to fight a lot of things off. And little known fact, lobster farmers are among the toughest people in our nation, and yes. I don't know why they don't comprise most. We should send all of our soldiers to Maine. 
to become lobster farmers for at least six months. You, you think those crab them. guys on Discovery are tough? Go watch the yeah, lobster guys. Exactly. Lobster farmers, They 99% yes. of the Navy SEALs are former lobster farmers. Yes. Not a provable fact, but a possible fact. But it's a it's a possible fact. Yes. it's a That's a good point. It's a possible fact. <laughs> but yes. We, they could have all originated from there. We don't know. We just don't know. We Nobody could ever know these things. Yes. But if you want to find somebody tough, go try to fight a lobster farmer. Yes. It'll thoroughly whip your ass. Definitely. So we are talking about uh, D.L. Geary's brewery today yes and uh supposedly the and i won't say supposedly i'll trust them they say they're the oldest craft brewery in maine you didn't fact check that go to factcheck.org no, i didn't i just said i saw they said it and i said okay that's the oldest one in maine so you're just gonna take the brewer's word for it i'm right? gonna take gary's word for it you didn't go do the old gary maybe go to the county commission look up some zoning plans and i see. didn't i didn't do that well i don't want to go up there and do that because i'd get killed by that's somebody true. so that's i true. just figured i'd trust it cujo might eat you my mother <laughs> the car might eat you exactly um, yeah, so we don't really get them in Texas at all. This was all part of a uh, beer club deal, uh, so I was able to get that. We got this, the I got this, the summer ale, and um, uh, I forgot the other one actually, but it's it's not a, it's not even on their list of rated <laughs> rated beers. Yeah. So um, you know, I decided, hey, let's go with the special ale. Let's go with the one that we haven't done before. We've done summer ales in the past, and we have access to a lot of summer ales here. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have a lot. A lot of notable strong ales. There are some, like, <laughs> like the curmudgeon is notable. Right. Um, you know, but obviously it's not a Texas one, but ones we can get here. Yeah. Uh, and also strong ales. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we've done one on the show. Uh, I thought we'd done a Belgian strong ale, but I, I'm probably completely totally wrong because I have no memory. Well, just a straight English strong ale. I don't no, think we. I don't we think not we've done, done one. No. So, uh, you know, new style, different state, way away from Texas. You might say we're change all, it up. We're almost like the Lewis and Clark of beer. Basically, we're really. We're really blazing the trails for uh, craft beer podcasters everywhere. If Lewis and Clark just had somebody like pick them up and then drop them off at the end of the trail, yeah. um, like you know how this beer was just delivered to my house, right? So it's kind of like that. If Lewis and Clark rode on an airplane in first class, yes, that would pretty much be. And what had we Sherpas are now. just carry them off the plane yeah. and drop them at the end, right. then that's kind of like we're kind of like that version. We're kind of we're pretty much the Lewis and Clark or Lewis and Clark. <laughs> we're pretty much the lowest Lewis and Clark. Uh, versions of modern day beer podcasters, and you know what? You're you're welcome for that. Yes, yeah. Today, so we are covering uh, the Hampshire Special Ale, as Marcus pointed out. But to look over their other beers, uh, the Hampshire Special Ale is definitely their pinnacle one, and we'll go through all their ratings uh, shortly. But uh, some of the other offer, some of their other offerings are their Pale Ale, uh, their London Porter, their Summer Ale. Uh, these are all getting, according to Rate Beer, uh, you know, in the 40s and 50s. Uh, and then even in style, the highest they get is their summer ale gets a 72. Uh, even in style, uh, the porter and the pale ale get 40, 55. Um, so they have one uh, called the Wee Heavy um, that does get an 85 that's slightly rated higher than this. But again, I had the three choices that they sent me. Right. Wee Heavy was not included. Uh, and a lot less reviews of that uh, opposed to these other options. So. It appears to me their Hampshire Special Ale is definitely their pinnacle noted uh, beer that they have out there. Um, to go over some of their or to go over the ratings for this particular beer, um, they do have a three point three seven on an Untapped, uh, an eighty two overall on Rate Beer, a ninety two in Style. Uh, beer Advocate does give them an eighty eight overall, and um, so it's not you know. The Bros actually, I noticed on Beer Advocate, give this a 98 world class rating. So wow, the Bros really enjoy it, and, right. and we we think the Bros are the owners of the site, but allegedly, we can't confirm that. Allegedly, nobody could ever know that. Some someone on the internet told us that, yes. so we're just going to take that as fact. And um, 
Yeah, so they, they this is definitely their pinnacle beer, and they do have some pretty high ratings of it. All right, well, let's find out about the history of D.L. Geary's Brewing Company. The D.L. Geary Brewing Company was established in October 1983 by David and Karen Geary. They shared the vision of producing world-class products on a small scale for local and regional consumption. At the time of its creation, D.L. Geary Brewing was one of only 13 microbreweries in the United States, almost all of them at the time located in the Pacific Northwest in California. In the winter of 1984, David Geary began a period of training and research in Scotland and England. With the help of Peter Maxwell Stewart, he worked in a half-dozen small commercial breweries from the highlands of Scotland to the south coast of England. During that time, the recipe for Geary's Pale Ale was created using classic elements from some of Britain's best breweries. In the summer of 1984, Karen and David Geary began planning the construction of the brewery, and by the fall of 1986, the first beer batches arrived. On December 10, 1986, the first pints of Geary's Pale Ale were sold, marking the arrival of New England's first microbrewery. Since then, Geary's has increased its product line to seven full-time products and three seasonal specialties, all in various package sizes, and has spread distribution to 15 states along the eastern seaboard and as far west as Ohio. They also create several small batch limited releases available only in their Portland, Maine tasting room. The BJCP standards for a strong ale, a.k.a. old ale. Uh, overall impression is that it should be an ale of significant strength, alcoholic strength, bigger than That's strong, strong ale. <laughs> uh, sorry, b- bigger than strong bitters and brown porters, though usually not as strong as a barley wine. Uh, should be tilted towards sweeter, maltier balance. And according to Michael Jackson, who said, It should be a warming beer of the type that is best drunk in half pints by a warm fire on a cold winter's night. <laughs> Not an official impersonation, but, you know. Look, it's the best I could do. Yeah, exactly. I hired the best guy I could get, which was <laughs> a homeless guy that I hired for a cheeseburger on the corner about five minutes ago. You could barely afford yourself. That was, That's true. That's pretty much the case. It should be uh, medium to full, and they say chewy body. Uh, medium to high malt character, light amber to very dark in appearance, sometimes reddish, although fairly dark. And uh, it's basically based on a traditional English ale style. Now, do you know of any other strong ales you've had? Uh, like I said, I know the curmudgeon. I put some commercial examples down there. Most of those I have not. Uh, I haven't had, quite honestly. Uh, I haven't had a lot. I know locally uh, Lakewood put out a strong ale a few years ago that was pretty good. Uh, but I can't say I've had a lot of them past that. I have had the Avery Old Jubilation. Uh, I've had the Great Divide Hibernation. Yeah, I've had that one as well. And uh, yeah, I've had the, the Curmudgeon. The Curmudgeon. Those are probably the three. And I do like the Curmudgeon quite a bit. That's actually a notable one. Yeah, that I found back from to. Founders. Yeah, from Founders. Um, the description for this one: uh, It's Hampshire Ale's once main uh, Hampshire Ale once Maine's legendary seasonal specialty. They didn't put a. Uh, comma in there so no. you just kind of read it all together uh hampshire is now available year-round it is a huge toasted malt it has a huge toasted malt flavor balanced by assertive hoppiness so that's a little interesting for these yeah. uh the finish is long and lingering with the malt and hop notes blending with alcohol warmth so a nice warming uh pleasant pleasant feeling uh beer i'm assuming uh the hops used in here are cascade mount hood and east kent golding hops i'm not sure that i've ever had east kent golding hops but yeah. anyway, East Kent is a European hop, I believe. Uh, and they use a two-row English malt, and um, yeah, this mix of mix of different hops. Uh, it does clock in at seven uh, percent ABV. They don't list an official IBU, but IBUs for this particular style should be somewhere between thirty and sixty. So you're not looking not looking to be too bitter. Although they say strongly hot, so true. Yeah, just the estimated would be around there for this type of beer. Right. All right. So you want to just get into it? Take a look at the appearance here. 
Well, let's look at we haven't you know we do, don't talk about the bottle enough anymore. No. Uh, but uh, I would say this is a it's a, it's a pretty I don't know if traditional is the right word, but it's a kind of an old school beer label. Uh, it's yeah, it's old school. Just a golden field with the name Geary's across it and a kind of a sash type style. Yeah, it says Hampshire Hampshire Special Ale. Not a lot of flash to the to the beer label. That's okay. The uh, taste and the is the most important thing. <laughs> I would think that's always the case. Yes. yes, but yeah, I mean it's I mean it's kind of a cool throwback look. Um, you know, kind of like uh, it looks like something that a brew pub probably bottled. Yeah, uh, but you know that's not a bad thing. It's it's perfectly fine. It tells you what it is. So appearance wise. It's got a pretty strong resemblance to a red ale. Not as bright as a lot of the red ales out there, but when you really get in there, it's it's a kind of a bronzy no. reddish, reddish color. Let me hold it up to your one tiny light, see yeah. if I can see anything. Yep. Yeah, it does uh, It does definitely have a red. Uh, it definitely looks filtered as well. Yeah, and... It's uh, super clear. It's super clear, and the carbonation is pretty good. It's uh, retained its head. We're drinking these out of snifters as recommended. Uh, the head has little chunks of, uh, I don't know, it, little chunks in it. It does. Um it's white on the outside. Has mine actually has like two rings to it. I don't know if yours ended up that way, but it has like a missing area in the middle, and then yeah. it has a tiny head in the middle of that. It's like a, a partly cloudy sky. It sort is. Of. There are little chunks of uh, head in there. Those like cumulus clouds. Some, yeah, some are more dense than others, but yeah, it's interesting. A little two ring head. Yeah, I don't know if you wanted to get into cloud talk. <laughs> we that's uh, that's another that's shorty. another shorty. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. I don't remember one receding that way. Usually it totally recedes. doesn't leave like the little middle ring like that. Yeah, and it's got pretty good head retention for what I didn't really expect it to retain pretty, at all. Pretty good little head. Especially since a lot of the uh, a lot of the beers we see in Snifters, the head just pretty much evaporates completely. Yeah, and that carbonation is going strong. It is. Aroma. Pretty mild aroma. Yeah, pretty mild. Pretty much what I would expect. It's slight, uh, slightly sweet. Yeah, it's sweet. Uh, yep. Slightly malty. Not a not a really strong aroma though. It doesn't. It's no. The malt comes out probably the strongest, and it's still not. I mean, it's not harsh and overpowering. You really get a Hoover your nose to really get you do. any sense. You basically at all. have to suck some of it up your nostrils yeah. to get any of it. But I, I in fact inserted two straws into my nostrils yeah. and put them in the glass. That's true. That was weird. But yeah, it's uh, it's not very strong at all in in, in smell. No, it's faint but pleasant. I would yeah, say it's faint not, but pleasant. No, it's not bad. It's faint but pleasant. That's a yeah. that's an accurate descriptor. Uh, some people say floral pine. I don't get that at all. I don't get that at all. No, it's maybe slightly maybe slightly floral, but not really. It's a little bit spicy. Uh, yeah, bit, just a little bit. Tiny bit spicy. So maybe get a little hint of pine cone in there. Yeah, maybe a little fruity. A little northeast pine coney. Yeah, a little fruity, a little piney. But I would say more fruity and malty than anything else. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And again, not not. It's really you really got to suck in some air there yeah. to really get a scent at all. That is true. Which is frankly kind of disappointing to me. Yeah, taste it, taste it up. Taste wise, I get I get the bitterness. It's an interesting counteraction to the malt, but it's very malty. Oh yeah, that's it's big time and, malty and chewy. I think from the BJCP is a good descriptor of this. Like gribbish from a merle. But it's uh, it's very very uh, very multi. You got the reference. Yes, I know you got the reference. But it's not like your European vacation joke. True. A lot a lot more bitter than I would have expected. And it's interesting how it contrasts with the the malt. It's more bitter than something like a curmudgeon for sure. Those are sweeter. It's like it's real soft up front, and then the aggressive hops really puts kind of a bite on the back end on the roof of your mouth. Some real aggressiveness on there. Aggressiveness. I'm trying to figure out like what I can compare it to, and it's so tough because it's it's such a weird to me flavor palette. <clears throat> Not bad, yeah, but yeah, 
it's like it's like if you mixed a, an IPA with like a a really dark ale or something, and it's probably what it, it's probably exactly what it kind of is. You know, one person that uh, listed their description on Rate Beer, I do agree with. I think there is a, there is a toffee hint in there. I think toffee is there for sure. Um, there is some fruitiness. I don't and get toffiness. the toffee. Yeah, I, th- I think that bitter to me is more toffee than bitter, um, and I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty smooth. Um, it does kind of coat the tongue too, which is interesting. It like hangs around. It does uh, especially that what I call toffee and you call bitter. Uh, that I think that flavor really lingers. I think the fruitiness kind of comes and goes a little bit. And the more, but the more you like, if you just let it after you drink, it really becomes kind of acrid in your mouth. The leftover flavors in your mouth are really kind of acrid, which I don't like. Yeah, they are a little bit. Yeah, they're, they're, it's real sharp and real. Well, yeah, the, an alcohol bitter linger is definitely there. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. It's just, it's just it's kind of an unpleasant uh, leftover flavor to it. I, I can't say I'm a big fan at all. You know, I think it's I think it's really good on the initial, like the initial drink. Initially, sure. I th- I like the uh, I like the sweet flavor that comes in there, and I don't mind a little bit of toffee bitter on that too. Kind of reminds me of a brand, like drinking somewhat of like a brand muffin, in a way. I know that that's <laughs> yeah. probably a bad descriptor, but that's what it kind of reminds me of. It's not, it's not like to me, it's not real strong in flavor one way or the other, other than like real malty up front, real bitter on the back. Well, you must agree with this person. One person said uh, it leaves an ethanol taste in your mouth. <laughs> I don't know that I'd go ethanol. That's a, that's a little more harsh than uh, I would say, but yeah, uh, it's but it it really is like eating some sort of uh, I don't know. A, a, not not a not a, a pastry that you're going for for flavors. You're going for one because you need to go to the bathroom. You need to force some. You need to go the natural modium. And you know right. that very well may be the uh, the Kent Golding and Mount Hood hops that you just don't. These Kent sure. Golding hops. Maybe you're not a fan of those. Um, like I said, I can't. I may very well have had those somewhere, but I don't remember having them in anything before this. So, well, I don't. I don't also often reach for English ales at the same time. True. Yeah, it's very rare. Very rare. I think that's probably a fault on our our part that we don't explore, and it's probably something we need to do better on the show is explore more beers outside of the United States. Hence, because yeah, that's another reason why I picked it so we yeah, can broaden the I palette. Mean, we, we did the one Chinese beer early on, yeah, and we've done a couple from Sweden, yeah, um, or Sweden and Denmark. But uh, we could probably stand to reach for some more that we like because the the in our local joints they have an entire row of European beers that we never reach for. Yeah, that's true. I think because we we try to go local more often than not when we're just drinking, but uh, it's something we could probably do often and f- see if we can find more that we like. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I, I, I just feel like of, a lot of the big, the, the, a lot of the British ones are maybe British, but just Euro ones that we get. A lot of them are the big generic ones, you yeah, know, and generic loggers and yeah, or I mean, you know, bass or something. I don't know, yeah. just something you can get anytime. I'm not saying we don't have any though. I mean, like we did do. Um, Oh my gosh, I can't even think of the name. But we did we did do a couple of Euro beers uh, earlier. The Tokyo, that one we did. That was a that was a Euro beer. Uh, Brew dogs, yeah, yeah, Brew dogs. Yep. I that guess was, I'm thinking more le- not. I I kind of put them as a I kind of set them apart from the other Euro brewers because yeah, they are so involved in the craft beer scene. True. Yeah, they're they're a real standout in that scene. So I mean, it's kind of like. Uh, McKellar, they're also a standout. I don't associate them in the same slot. No. Although they are very European, obviously. Uh, I, yes, don't put them, I don't put them in the same category, I guess. Yeah, some people on here, too, are getting a, a caramel flavor, which maybe, maybe mixed in with that fruit. I could see a little bit of that. And by the way, I'm starting now to... As I've had two or three sips. Now I'm getting the toffee. A yeah. little more toffee. It's very faint, but I get it there. I get it now. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's yeah, it's like a. But it's only in the aftertaste. It is. It is only in the aftertaste. It's only in the acridate. You really have to take a little, a tiny little pickaxe mm-hmm. and chip away at the root of your mouth to really find it. You have yeah. to dig beneath the bitterness of the hop remnants, and you'll find a little bit of toffee in there. Yeah, there is some, and it might be worth uh, sixty three thousand dollars, like the ambergris <laughs> of the whale vomit. Now, I did do a good thing this time and actually uh, clear out the monster taste before drinking the beer. I. So we actually uh, we have clean palates this time. Right. We will have water. clean palates going forward. No, that was a, that was a bad mistake on our part. Had a sip of water, so I cleaned yeah. it out. There you go. Yeah, that was a bad mistake on our part. Yeah. So ratings, ratings, ratings. You want to go? You want me to go? Go for it. Okay. Um, this again, the comparison I had for this, and the most prominent comparison to this was the curmudgeon. Um, with the curmudgeon, um, I know this isn't a review of the curmudgeon, but it's in the same category. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of counter them. Um, the curmudgeon's sweeter than this. The curmudgeon's fruitier than this. So I think I probably expected that uh, a little more. This has a little more hop bite to it than I expected. Um, the toffee, uh, just kind of biting, lingering, uh, as you say, acrid taste. Uh, you know, it's it, it, it's not what I expected from this. Um, so I'm a little disappointed that that is the taste that you're left with more than the fruity sweet. Uh, elements which I would have preferred um, that are quite tasty up front. Like I like them up front. So overall, this beer um, maybe is a little unbalanced to the to the toffee harsh angle from what I would expect from a strong ale. Maybe they need to tone down the hoppiness uh, as they tout in their uh, description. Um, obviously, this beer appears to be a hit in their local area, so they're not going to listen to me down here in Texas. Uh, but my personal opinion, I would tone down the hoppy just a little bit. I would amp up the sweetness a little bit, uh, make it a little bit more balanced. But that being said, um, for strong ales in that category, it's not it, it's not bad, in my opinion. And I got nothing against It's not like lagers or something where it's a category we have well-defined opinions on. Uh, I have nothing against strong ales at all. I've never, I've never had one and thought I never want another strong ale. So um, it, it's definitely an open category on, on, on that front. I would say I like it probably better than you do because, again, I like bitter, harsh hops more than you do. Uh, I find these new hops interesting, uh, new new to me, uh, interesting. So I would probably say, even though it's not exactly what I expected, I would still say overall I enjoy the beer. So for that, I would give it a 3.75. Yeah, this is not my. This is far from my favorite beer, and I am disappointed. I look. I'm impressed by Maine's contingent of lobster farmers who bring us such delicious lobsters, and I'm impressed by that. They comprise ninety nine percent of the uh, Navy SEALs. That's that's great. And they have to fight so many horror villains. So many horror villains, yeah. and I appreciate all that. But I uh, I do not appreciate this beer as much. That's for sure. I don't get me wrong. I like bitter beers. Hoppy bitter beers, but I I think it's the weird to me. It's just a weird flavor combo. It's real sweet up front, like real sweet. It's cloying. It's heavy. Uh, it's it's like a Dom DeLuise on the front of your tongue. Like he's just sitting there, you know, just weighing it down, and then he scatters away, and then you're left with uh, like tiny Dom DeLuise, like just his head. So it's a little weird, and uh, the and it really produces this acrid aftertaste that just lingers and. Eventually, like 10 minutes later, turns into a little bit of toffee as I get, get out my little pickaxe and, you know, b- like dig underneath that. I find some. 
So it's, I don't know that it's really worth that little tiny rewards worth the rest of that mouth feel and taste. It just um, didn't work for me. I'm not saying it's a bad beer. I've certainly had far worse beers. It's not a bad beer. It just doesn't work for me. And I don't like the combination of the upfront and the aftertaste. It, to me, it just doesn't jive. So for that, I, I can't give it more than three out of five. Fair enough. Which gives us a final score of 3.625. Well, thanks for listening to yet another episode of the Brew Bloods, episode of 53. Thanks for listening to the show every week, and thanks for your support. If you are not subscribed to the show, this is your first time, or uh, you have never subscribed, but you still listen to us, uh, you should consider subscribing to the show. It's pretty easy. Just subscribe, uh, guys. Just go Come to brewbloods.net, and you'll find all the links to This is 2016. To just show. subscribe. Right. Uh, thank you to... Uh, Thanks for uh, listening to the show. Thanks for telling a friend. Please tell a friend that would be... That's the most important thing to us is you help spread the word. We've heard some really cool stories this week about people who found us one way or another and uh, just organically, and that's really nice to hear. Friends of friends, and our friends, friends, didn't, friends. Our friends didn't even tell them about it. Right. They, just, they just stumbled and upon it. And they're not it. friends that are connected to us, so they wouldn't exactly. have heard from us. If you would do us also a favor, go to iTunes, leave us a review, uh, at least rate us, and if you want to give us a tiny little review, that would help us as well. Check us out on every, just about every social network out there. Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, Snapchat that we never use, and uh, Peach, if you like Peach, which nobody does. And we do uh, always say a lot of uh, derogatory things just because that's our attempt at humor about not caring about people listening or uh, referring <laughs> anybody, but we do actually really appreciate yes, it. we do. We uh, thank you very much to every one of you. That uh, Thanks to Nikki B for continually sending us news. Nikki Bye. Thanks to those of you who have uh, sent us beer trades or just sent us beer out of the goodness of your hearts. We really appreciate it. Yeah, you can email us at brewbloodsshow at gmail.com if you have any news or you just want to bitch at us or whatever. Uh, you can also go to reddit, reddit.com slash r slash brewbloods, and you can call us at 469-573-BEER. That's 469-573-2337. So we'll catch you guys next week for episode 54 of Brewbloods. For Dustin, I'm Mark. For Mark, I'm Dustin. Probst. <laughs>